Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. So one of my least favorite things on this planet is to be driving on the highway, trying to get somewhere. Usually it's uh, you know, a destination, vacation destination or a trip, and all of a sudden you're driving along and you see this sign right here, detour. And you have to exit the road and you have to get off and now you're on this other road that you didn't plan on being on and things look different and you're kind of disoriented, you don't know what's going on and uh, now you're going to be late, you're not gonna get, to that, get there to, at the time that you thought. Don't you hate it when you're driving along and you have uh, your GPS all set up there and, and, and you see the, the time where you're gonna arrive? You know what I'm talking about, anybody else watch this? Like I watch it like a hawk and I try to actually tick you know, minutes off, you know, and I probably shouldn't do that, but I want to I wanna get there sooner. And then you have to do the detour, and then, you, and then you lose like 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Drives me crazy, because I like to get to where I'm going on time. But all of a sudden, you're on this road, and, 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 and you feel frustrated, or at least I do, because I'm, I'm now out of control, I was in total control of the situation and now someone else is telling me where to go and how to get there. Isn't that the way life is sometimes? Isn't that the way life works? We're going somewhere, we're headed somewhere uh, with a relationship and all of a sudden there's a detour. Or a job situation, a career, and all of a sudden there's a detour. Right? Or, or your health or your, 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 your body and everything's going well and, and, and all of a sudden there's an illness and there's a, there's a detour and all of a sudden you're in a place you never thought you would be. We're starting a brand new series today called Detours. I'm very, very excited about it. And if this is your first time at an Emmanuel campus, whether it's Franklin or, or Banta or Garfield Park here at Greenwood or online, or if you're joining us right now at our Seymour campus, can we give it up for Seymour right now? You guys are doing your grand opening. We want to issue you a very special welcome if this is your first time. If it's not your first time, uh, welcome back, and, and we're so glad you're here. But in your notes, I'm going to jump right in. Life is full of detours. It's true. It's true. And no one gets through this life without a detour. It just happens to every single one of us. We're trying to get somewhere, and all of a sudden something happens. There's a diagnosis. There's a down, the company downsizes, and they eliminate your job. You think this relationship is going great, and, you, and, and all of a sudden there's someone's unfaithful. There's someone cheats, and now, and now all of a sudden you're in a spot. You never thought you, you're on a road you never thought you'd be on because of the detour. You know, there's a great story in the Bible about a guy who, who, uh, who experienced a massive detour. At 17, 18 years old, a guy named Joseph in the book of Genesis, everything seems to be going 
fairly well for this young guy. He's got these two dreams uh, that, that are kind of awkward. He shares them with his family. His family is a large family. He's got 12 brothers. His dad's in love with him. He's, his dad loves him too much. That's part of the problem. Uh, his brothers become jealous. And one day they decide to take him out. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 39. This uh, verse 30, uh, chapter 37, sorry. His brothers took him and threw him into a pit. You talk about a detour. There's no way on earth Joseph woke up that morning and and thought to himself, I know where I'm going to end up today. I'm going to end up in a pit and my brothers are going to be the one, the ones that, that throw me in there. Not a chance. He gets sold and then he gets resold and then he gets put in jail because he's falsely accused of rape. I mean, his whole life, his whole life is one detour after another, after another. And I'm not, not going to get into that whole story, but I, I might circle back to it at the end. But man, every, you look in the Bible, like it's one of the reasons why I believe the Bible is because it just tells you like, like what, what happened. Like if it was written by man, they wouldn't have made this stuff up. They just tell you exactly what people did and what they said and how it happened, even the ugly parts. That's why I believe that the Bible is true. You know, this series is very, very important. It's extremely important for some of you. And here's why. Because if we mishandle the detours in our life, they can permanently derail our lives. Here's how I wrote it in your notes. Mishandling detours can permanently derail you. Here's what, you you know what I'm talking about because you've seen this happen to some people in your life. Maybe this is happening to you right now. Your life is moving along and you're trying to get to a certain destination and everything seems to be going okay and all of a sudden, Something happens. There's an illness. There's an accident. Someone in your life passes away because of COVID or something happens. And all of a sudden, your life or this person's life starts to spiral out of control. They're on a road they've never been on. They're in a place they never thought they'd be. And they're not handling it very well. And they're starting to get overwhelmed and and discouraged. And they're starting to become depressed. And then all of a sudden, something really bad happens. They lose hope. And that's where things can get really dangerous in a person's life. Because when a person loses hope, they stop caring. And when they stop caring, they become careless. Have you seen it? And they start making really weird, strange, horrible choices. And their life starts spiraling out of control. Have you seen it happen? How did all that take? Well, everything was going fine, and then this detour happened. And they didn't know how how to cope with it. They didn't know how to handle it. And so their life started spinning out of control. You know, someone in this life that that, uh, has been dealt a massive detour was a guy named Nick Vujicic. It's hard to say, so we're just going to call him Nicky V, okay? Nicky V. Nicky V is about 37 years old right now. He was born without arms and legs. You know his story? Here's a picture of Nicky V. He's got a little foot or half of a foot. That's all he's got. And he's learned how to use it to turn his life into something that's extraordinary. He's got four children. He's married. He speaks to crowds of 5,000 10,000. The largest crowd he ever spoke to was 110,000 in India. He talks to people about Jesus. He talks to people about God. He talks to people about how to overcome their 
detours. I don't think anybody in this room has probably been dealt a detour like Nick's detour. When you hear him talk in interviews, he always, he's always trying to explain how there's something good that can come from the detour. It's a very powerful message. However, there was a time in his life when he was about 10 years old. And he talks about it very openly. Where all the kids were getting really mean and some of them were calling him really poor, really negative names like alien and you're from outer space and all this stuff. And, and he allowed those voices to overwhelm the other voices in his life from his parents and his pastor and all, the, all those voices. And he became overly discouraged. And then he became suicidal at the age of 10 years old. And this is what he had to say. I was never crippled until I lost hope. Now that statement has come, you know, as a grown man looking back on his life. Nick doesn't see his life, he doesn't see himself as a cripple, he doesn't see himself as disabled. In fact, he wrote a book called Life Without Limits, what you can do with your life without arms and legs. But he did see himself as a cripple when he had lost hope. How important is hope? It's the ball game. And so I'm excited about this series because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to navigate the detours in our lives such that your life doesn't spiral out of control and you don't derail your life permanently as so many other people have. Maybe you're in a detour right now and this is perfect timing for you. Praise God, praise God, because we're, I'm going to show you how to handle the detours of life in such a way that your life can get better and God's will can be fulfilled. You know, as I was talking with our team about this series earlier, we, we said, you know what? There's probably about four major types of detours when you're on the road. The first one is the construction detour. You know what I'm talking about? Like they close the road because they're trying to make improvements. Yes, yes. They're trying to add a roundabout as if that thing makes things better, right? Okay, they do if people know how to drive through them, but but there's the construction detour. Then you have the, the detour that's created by an accident, right? Uh, no, the self-inflicted detour. This is the one where you get off course because of something dumb you've done. <laughs> you know, like you ended up in jail because you stole that thing. Okay. So, we're, you know, we do, we do dumb things, yes? And so next week we're going to talk about how to navigate the self-inflicted detours that, that are, are, are a fault. Then there are accidents. You know, they close the road because someone else... A brother, a sister, a coworker, <laughs> a spouse has crashed into something and now it has affected you. It's not your fault, but now you've got to deal with it because someone else, someone else did something. And then, the, and then the fourth week, we're going to talk about permanent detours where the road, the road that you're traveling down is permanently closed. Someone has passed away. Something has permanently happened and you can no longer go down that path. That's where we're going to go in this series. Those are the four big, big detours that people tend to struggle with. Today, I want to talk to you about the first one, the construction detour. It is absolutely true. In your notes, I wrote it like this. God sends detours into your life to develop something new in you. He wants to make the road better. 
It's like, hey, this road, we got to widen it. We got to add something to it. We got to add a layer. We got to add it, do a turning lane. Like, like, it's okay now, but things are changing and there's more traffic in this area. So we've got to make the road better. And that's what God does in your life and in my life. That's why we end up on some detours. Did you know that it is absolutely true that God wants to make you just like Jesus? I mean, just like Jesus in every way. He wants to make you more loving. He wants to make you more courageous, more pure. He wants to make you more patient and kind. He wants to make you more gentle. He wants to make you uh, build this thing up inside of you called grace such that you can forgive people and be patient with people. How do I know that for sure? Well, the Bible tells us. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says it like this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. This word, this, is, this Greek word is sumorpho. It means to have the same inner essence as someone else, the same identity, the same form. We get our word metamorphosis from this, from this Greek word, which we use to describe the process of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, right? That's where we get that word. So God is in the process of transforming us, conforming us to the image of who? His son in every way. That's what God wants to do in your life. And sometimes he has to take us on a detour in order to, to, to get us there. This became super clear to me years ago when I read this book, Mere Christianity, which I believe every serious-minded Christ follower should read. I don't agree with everything in this book, but man, it is so critical to be able to see and understand the New Testament and what God is doing in the world today. Listen to what Lewis says here about this very idea of God sending a detour into our life in order to transform us. Listen. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and he's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on and so forth. You knew that those jobs needed doing, so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not make sense to you. What on earth is he up to, Lewis says. The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers over here, and making courtyards. And then he says this, my favorite part. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. Wow. Did you know that? That that's God's will for your life? That he is not going to make mere improvements in your life and fix the drains and maybe fix the gutters and maybe do this or this or that. No, no, no. He's going to make you into a palace. Well, that's going to require a new wing, a new floor, towers, courtyards. Now do you begin to understand why God has to send us on a detour? He's making something new out of you. That's what God's doing. And he's not just making something new out of you. He also wants to remove some of the old stuff. You know, like the selfishness. Anybody selfish? Anybody besides me? Last night, my wife got home from the choir show up in Carmel with my daughter. She's in the choir program there at the high school. Guess what, guess what time they got home last night? Just take a guess. It, it wasn't even last night. It was this morning. <laughs> guess what time? Yeah, it was 1 a.m. 
1 a.m. You know, and I'm Pastor Danny trying to get some sleep because I got to preach in the morning. So they walk through the doors and, you know, dogs start barking. People start taking showers. Who takes a shower at 1 a.m.? My daughter does. Bless her heart. You know, I wake up. Don't they know? Don't they know I got to preach in a few hours? I was angry. I woke up angry. I couldn't sleep. Woke up. Listen, I am just selfish. It's just the way it is. Like, I'm just, I'm working on it. And, and, and maybe that's why they came home. In fact, that's why they came home last night at 1 a.m. <laughs> it's just occurring to me right now. This is totally unplanned. I'm off script. I, I mean, there's things that God's got to get rid of. He's got to get self-reliance, lust, impatience, pride, ego, insecurities. And then he's got to add in the other stuff. Humility, courage, and purity. How does he do that? Well, he's got to mess with you. Listen, if God wants to make you more, a more forgiving person, he's got to send an idiot into your life. <laughs> Did that ever occur to you? Otherwise, you're going to have no one to forgive. It's like, <laughs> let's say he's trying to build patience in your life. What's he going to do? He's going to send someone to your house at 1 a.m. <laughs> and wake you up and get the dogs barking. I mean, this is how it works. It's like, man, I wish God wouldn't do that. He, I, I, take it up with him when you die. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've got a list here. Why did you? This is what he does for us. Some, there are some things we can only learn on a detour when things get hard. One, one of the craziest detours in the Bible, other than Joseph, and we just talked about that a little bit ago, is Abraham, Abraham's detour. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I read it every year because every year, I go through the Bible, read it again this year in Genesis 22. And just to understand the significance of Abraham's detour, you got to understand what's going on. And, and, and I'm not going to assume everybody understands. So let me just give you a sh really short version of it. God has chosen Abraham to be his vessel of blessing to the entire world, not just the Jewish people, but through the Jewish people to bless the entire world. And it ends up, and if you, don't, if you know the context of the whole Bible, Jesus ends up being from the seed of Abraham. And so Jesus is, is the way God blesses the world. It's just this crazy, connected, unbelievable story over thousands of years. Anyway, Abraham, he says, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna give you more descendants than there are stars in the sky. Great, how are you gonna do that? I'm 100 years old, I got no kids, right? I mean, you know the story. And my wife, Sarah, she's 90. She's 90. God says, I'm gonna give you a baby. He's like, Sarah laughs. <laughs> As you would too, ladies, if you were 90 and God says, you're gonna have a baby. <laughs> sure enough, she gets pregnant and she gives birth to a baby. Can you imagine? 90 years old. You got a brand new baby. This baby Isaac, they name him Isaac, and Isaac is going to be the one that all these descendants are going to come from, that will eventually bless the entire world. It's this massive plan from all the way from the book of Genesis. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, Genesis 22 comes along. And here's what God asks Abraham to do. It's unbelievable. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, the, the, the son of promise. That's what theologians call him. Like that's, he's, the, he's the dude whom you love so much, right? You've, you, you waited forever for him to come and go to the land of Moriah and go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. What? This is crazy for two, for two reasons. Number one, you want me to kill my son? Like, 
that's just bonkers. God, why would you ask me to do that? Now, back in those days, human sacrifice was a common thing among other groups of people. It didn't make it, any, it, didn't make it okay, but our, our modern minds struggle with that. But back in that day, it was, it was common practice. But even still, you want me to kill my own son? This is crazy. On top of that, he's the only way to fulfill the promise that you gave me to bless the entire world. Like, I've got no, this is my only son. There's no, like, if, if he dies, there's no plan to bless the world. So Abraham's in a spot. He's got to dig deep, and he's got to figure out, is he going to just disobey, or is he going to trust God? Well, he decides to trust God. So he gets his son, he puts some wood on him, and goes up to the top of the mountain, he gets him, wraps him down, wraps him up, and he gets his knife out, and he's going to do it. He pulls his knife out, and he's about to kill him, and God intervenes. Listen to verse 12. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God, which is another way of saying you truly trust me. You've truly put your life in my hands. You will do what I ask you to do, which was so important because God was building faith in Abraham. That's what he was doing. He takes him on this detour to build this deep trust in God. You've not withheld from me your son, your only son, Isaac. He passes the test. How did he do this? How did he pull this off? I mean, how did he overcome this, 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 this idea of killing his son? And Well, the author of Hebrews tells us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, New Testament. Listen to this. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life. Again, he was thinking the whole time, like, like I can do, if I do this, like I know that God can do anything. He can raise the dead. So I'm just going to go ahead and trust him and, and move forward. And Abraham passed the test. And what God did through this detour was develop a deep faith in Abraham. This is what God does. Now, hopefully he doesn't ask you to kill your own son. Some of you are like, well, man, that'd be good because my son's driving me crazy. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anybody ever want to kill their kids? No, that's not funny. That's not funny. Only when they come at home at 1 a.m. and take a shower. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Love my kids. But God will take us on a detour to develop something deep and new inside of us. But he'll also try to get rid of something. God did this with the Apostle Paul. There is something that took place in the New Testament that happened to Paul. It doesn't really say exactly what it is, but we know enough about Paul's life that it was either a shipwreck or, or one of the times where he was getting pelted with stones or beaten up with rods. Whatever situation he's talking about, whatever detour, it was bad enough to where the, they thought they were going to die. And then Paul tells us why the detour took place. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In fact, we expected to die. We thought this was the last day on earth for us. But as a result of this detour, we stopped relying upon ourselves. And we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Paul was reasoning the same way that, Paul, that, that, that Abraham did. This God is able to raise the dead. And the reason we went on this detour is because he's trying to remove the self-reliance and replace it with reliance upon God. That's why God sends us on a detour, to remove the impurity and replace it with purity, to remove the doubt and replace it with faith, to remove the selfishness and replace it with an other's mindset. 
That's what God is doing in your life. That gives us understanding. That gives us context. The road in front of us needs to be improved. So there's a sign that says you can't go that way. We have to go a different way. God's making something new out of you. Is this making sense? You thought you were going to be made into a nice, decent little cottage, but God is making a palace. This is why both James and Paul tell us that we need to rejoice when we're on detours. He's like, what? That's crazy talk. Well, that's exactly what they said. Let me show you. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, or you could say detours, for we know that they help us develop endurance. What is endurance? It's the ability to keep going even when it's hard. And this endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope in salvation. But James and Paul both agree together and and they say to you and I today, Rejoice. Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you fall into all kinds of detours. Why? Because they, they make you stronger. They build things in you, in your life. And so, you know, we, we're in a situation where we don't want detours. We don't pray for them. We don't ask for pain. We don't, we don't desire difficulty. But when they come into our lives and we find ourselves on a different path, we can rejoice because we know that God is producing something new in us. So what do we do with this? This idea, this construction detour. Two things and then we'll wrap up. Number one, you need to embrace the detour. Embrace it. Stop fighting it. Stop complaining about it. Embrace the detour. You know, when I'm on a detour and I'm driving and uh, I'm frustrated and I'm angry, I feel out of control, I'm, losing, I'm looking at my time, I'm losing time, I'm, I'm like, how can I get back on the road? And, and, and everything is tense and I'm usually in a fight with whoever's in the car. <laughs> and it's not until I let go and embrace the reality that we're not going to get there on time, I'm no longer in control, and I have to go where they're telling me to go. It's only after I let go that I can begin to have some peace. And maybe notice like, oh, look at that pretty house. Oh, look at that tree, it's got flowers on it. You see what happened there? I, I, I embraced the reality that we're, not, we're no longer on the main road. We're not gonna get there in time. When I embrace that, you can begin to look around and have some peace. And guess what goes away when you do that? Complaining, arguing, a bitter spirit, anger, all those thoughts that you start thinking about, man, life is not fair, and if God loved me, he wouldn't have let this happen, and things never work out for me. All those thoughts go away. Because you know that God is up to something, and he's creating something new in you. So number one, you gotta embrace it. Number two, you gotta look for the growth in the detour. Look for the growth in the detour. What does that mean? That means that you know you're on this path for a reason. You know that God is developing something in you, whether that's purity or courage or faith like he did with Abraham, or maybe it's reliance upon God like he did with with Paul. And so you start looking for the growth. What is it, God? What what new thing are you trying to develop inside of me now that I'm on this this path and I've lost this job and this relationship's come to an end and now my mother's got cancer or I lost this person to COVID or whatever the situation is? What new thing are you trying to develop in me? 
And then you focus on that. You say, okay, Lord, I see what you're trying to do here. You're trying to build forgiveness, my, my ability to forgive in this. You're trying to build my faith, my ability to trust in you. Okay, I see that. And you start to work with him to develop that character trait in the detour. Now, if we don't do this, if, if all we do is step one and we embrace it and we don't follow through and look for the growth in step two, then guess, what God, guess what's gonna happen in a short, short period of time? God's gonna have to hit the repeat button. It's like you didn't learn what he wanted you to learn. You, that, that thing he wanted to grow inside of you, you didn't cooperate him, with him and so there's no growth and so you're back on the road again but then he's gotta send another detour to try to get you to pay attention. Some of you have been repeating detours now for 10 years. Maybe longer. Here we are again. I can't believe we're doing this again. Another problem, another job loss, another this. Maybe it's because you're not asking, where's the growth in this, Lord? Like, I'm of the opinion that when I'm on a detour, I want to learn all that I need to learn so I don't have to be on this detour again. That's just where I'm at. You think that's smart? You think it's wise? Anybody? Like, God, I never want to be in this place again, so teach me what you need to teach me. Grow in me what you want to grow in me so I'll never have to come to this place again. Look for the growth on the detour so that God doesn't have to hit the repeat button. Some of the, for some of you, that'll change your life right now. You didn't even know there was something to be growing on the detour. Now you're gonna start to look and God's gonna do the work he wants to do in your heart. He wants to turn you into a palace. So here's the real question I wanna ask you today, and it's a tough one, and I want you to wrestle with it. I hope it bothers you. Do you wanna grow? Do you wanna grow? That really is the question. It's amazing to me that, you know, when somebody asks me this question, it's intuitive for me to say, absolutely. I wanna be different now, uh, two years from now. I wanna be a different person five years from what I am today. Like, I wanna grow, I wanna be a better husband, I wanna be a better Christ follower, I wanna be a better person, I wanna be a better basketball player, <laughs> if that were possible. I wanna, I wanna be a better ping pong player, I love ping pong. I wish I had more time to practice. But I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow in every. But a lot of people's like, no, nah, I don't want to grow. I'm good. I'm good where I'm at. I just want my problems to go away. Is that you? That's not how it works. You are a living house, and what God's going to do, He's going to move in, just like C.S. Lewis said. And He's going to start with some small things like the drains and some pipes and stuff like that, maybe the gutters. And then He's going to start to remodel the house. He's going to have to take out some walls. And it's going to be painful. And if you're not interested in growing, you're going to fight him the whole time and complain. Oh, it's so painful. I can't believe this happened. I can't believe I lost a loved one. I can't believe I lost a job. I can't believe this person cheated on me and this and that. And the boss let me go. And I got overlooked at work because of the, I didn't get, you know, the other person got the raise or whatever. I didn't get into the school I wanted to, whatever the problem is. Complaining. How many people are just complaining about life every single day? Just look on social media. What are they doing? What are you doing? Where does complaining come from? It comes from a lack of perspective on what God is up to in your life. Hello. I didn't say I hear any amens on that one. Where does complaining come from? It comes from a lack of perspective on what God is doing in your life. You're on the detour, which is uncomfortable because he's growing something new in you trying to get rid of that critical spirit, trying to turn you into an encourager. 
and a person who blesses people with their mouth, trying to get rid of that gossip, that talking. So many people just talk about people, have you noticed? That's all they do. That's like a profession today. Let me just talk about what other people are doing. Really? How about you encourage people? How about you bless people with your tongue instead of curse them and gossip about them? This is what God is doing in our lives. Do you wanna grow? Do you wanna grow? If you answer yes to that question, you are gonna embrace the detour and you are gonna look for the growth opportunity in the detour and God's will will be done in you. And here's the end result. Here's the end result. And this is so important, don't miss this. Why would God do any of this? Why would God wanna take me or you on a detour to create Christ-like character inside of us? Well, think about who the beneficiaries are. My kids, my two sons and my daughter, my wife. Instead of getting selfishness and rudeness and impatience, maybe anger, they get patience and kindness and encouragement and love. And when they blow it, they get grace instead of judgment and punishment. They get Christ-like character from me if I'm growing. Who are the beneficiaries? You all. You get a better pastor, maybe some better sermons. You get a better leader. You get a better staff. Why? Because I'm growing every year, year after year, a little bit better, a little bit better. A little. Like who are the beneficiaries? The world needs good people. Have you noticed? It's not like an epidemic of awesome people out there. There's really not. So here's, so here's what, what, let me put this all together for you. God's taking you on a detour for what purpose? The same purpose he took Abraham on a detour, to bless the world. The world needs you to be a really good person. Like I was, I was talking to a guy the other day, totally off script right now, sorry. We were talking about how does a great community, how is a great community created? Like it's a community you wanna live in where there's no you know, stealing or crime or, or, or as little as possible. You know how you create that? You create a bunch of really good people who don't steal from each other. They don't cheat on their spouses. They're not looking at pornography. They're not taking stuff from their offices and stealing from their bosses. They're not mistreating their children or their pets. I threw the pets in there because my dog peed in my brother's, my son's bedroom this morning. I wanted to strangle him. How do you get a great community? You have to have a bunch of great people. How do you get a bunch of great people? You get people who wanna grow and asking God every day to develop Christ-like character in them. And year over year, decade after decade, a great community is created. Does that make sense? Do you want to grow? Now, some of you might be like thrown off because of that Abraham story. And I understand it because it's really super awkward for God to ask any person to kill their son. But let me, let, me, let me tie it in together a little bit that might help. That story is a weird story, but I think when you understand the Bible in its totality, it makes a little bit more sense. Here's what I mean. I believe that Isaac was a foreshadowing of Jesus. Think with me, okay? Isaac was innocent. He was innocent. God didn't say, hey, this kid's a bad kid. I want you to kill him. Nope. Who else was innocent? But was led to his own death. Who, who was it? Okay. Isaac 
carried wood up a mountain that was going to be used in his death. Who else carried wood up a mountain that was used in his death? Isaac was led up a mountain by his father. Let's go, son. Get the wood, son. God's gonna provide a sacrifice. Come on, let's go. Who else was led up a mountain to his death by his father? How interesting. You see the parallels there? In Isaac's story, there was this switch that happens right at the end of the story. I forgot to tell you about it. But right when Abraham lifts up the knife to kill his son, the angel intervenes, says, stop. And the angel shows Abraham that there's a ram over in the, in the, in the, in the thicket that was caught. And there's a switch that takes place. Isaac goes free and the ram is killed in his place. You know, there is a switch that happened that day at Calvary on that mountain where Jesus was crucified. But it was a different kind of switch. See, the person that was supposed to die that day was you and me. Because we're the guilty ones. We're the sin. We've broken all the laws. Jesus never broke one. He was innocent. But there was a switch that took place. He died in our place. Listen to how Peter said it. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. That's what Christ did for you. There's a switch. We're the guilty ones. And the innocent one took our penalty. When I heard that when I was 18, 17 years old, I was like, man, I'm a goner. When I was 17, I didn't, join a church. I didn't, tr I didn't join a religion. I put my faith in the one who died in my place, who climbed that hill that day, who allowed the nails to be put through his hands and through his feet, the crown of thorns on his head. I put my trust in the man, Jesus, who died for me and loved me and three days later rose again. It wasn't church. It wasn't religion, it was Jesus Christ. And maybe today, maybe today is your day where you put your faith in Jesus. Because you, you now understand the biblical story that God wanted to bless the world through Abraham and Jesus is from the line of Abraham. And Isaac was a foreshadowing of Christ so that you in this moment could have your sins forgiven. Isn't that amazing? I'm gonna pray, if, if, if you feel led into this moment, and you'd like to put your faith in Christ, take these words, make them your own. Reach out to him, ask him to forgive you. and He'll be your savior today. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Though you were innocent, you took on the punishment of the guilty. You climbed that mountain with the cross so that I could be set free. You allowed your father to lead you up that mountain because of your love for me. And so I ask you to cleanse me today, forgive me. I turn from my sin and I, I turn to you, I trust you. I believe in you. I believe you came back to life to pay the penalty for my sin. Wash me and cleanse me today. Make me your child. I pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Can we give God glory, church? Amen. God is moving. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to get you started. We put together a little box. We call it our saved box. It's just a little uh, a kit to get you started on your new faith in Christ. If, if you would text the word saved to 65248 at your campus, you can grab one of these at the information desk. If you're watching online, you can also give us a little bit more information and we'll send one of these to you in the mail. There's a Bible in here. There's some instructions on how to get connected to the church. And there's also a present, a little coffee cup for, for, from us to you to say congratulations. One more time, can we give God glory? Amen. At this time, I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna dismiss us to our local teams. Father, thank you so much for this series. We all go through detours. Many of us are on one right now. Help us to embrace the detour, to look for the growth, and to believe in our hearts, God, that you are making us into a beautiful palace. Help us to trust you with the construction. Grow in us the new thing that you want to see. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. God bless you guys. I'm going to dismiss right now to the local teams.